This content is for institutional investors and information purposes only. It does not contain investment, financial, legal, tax or any other advice and should not be relied upon for this purpose. The materials are not tailored to your particular, personal and or financial position. If you require advice based on your specific circumstances, you should contact a professional advisor. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of publication, are subject to change without notice and do not necessarily reflect Mercer's opinions. Hello and welcome to Critical Thinking, Critical Issues. In today's session, we'll be discussing the actions asset managers and asset owners are taking to address gender diversity within their organisations. Our aim is to give an insight into the challenges faced by key stakeholders and discuss what we can do to help them move the industry forward. So before we get into the discussion, let's start with some quick introductions. My name is Alexa Shanks and I'm Head of Intermediary Relations at Mercer Investment Solutions. I sit on our DE&I leadership team and outside of Mercer, I'm a busy mother of Wilfred, Mabel and Olive, and I co-chair the Diversity Project's Working Families work stream. I'm delighted to be joined today by Stephen Dean, Portfolio Manager at Scarybore Asset Management, and Terence Jones, who's a member of Mercer's Alternative Manager Research Team. Stephen, perhaps I could turn to you first, um, and you could give us a little introduction and what, explain what brings you here today, please. Thanks, Alexa. Um, I'm a, a founder, a, a partner, and a portfolio manager at, at Scarivore, which is a, a boutique, um, an investment boutique, founded back in 2019, um, and we we run money uh, in emerging markets. Um, focused on long-term long-term quality. I'm also uh, a husband to a very talented wife and the father of two fearsome young girls. Great, thank you, Terence. And over to you, please. Yes. So hello, everyone. My name is Terrence Jones, and I'm a manager research consultant for private equity based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I've been with Mercer for three and a half years now, performing diligence for all private equity asset classes, including buyouts, secondary, special situation, things of that nature. But most specifically, I work with venture capital and growth equity managers, uh, just trying to find the best managers for our clients, which includes high net worth, sovereign wealth, pensions, endowments, foundations, and not-for-profits. Not only that, I'm also part of Mercer's initiative of searching for the best minority and diverse managers in the industry for our clients. Um, we consider individuals to be diverse if they are part of BIPOC or part of the LBGT community, uh, person with disabilities, or U.S. veterans. So it's an honor and a privilege to talk with you all today. Great. Thank you. And great to, great to have you here. Um, I'm really excited to be discussing this topic with you. It's something that I'm passionate about and particularly to be launching this episode of the podcast on International Women's Day, a day in which everyone across the world is coming together to celebrate the social, economic and cultural achievements of women around the world. So before we get into what organisations can do to improve the diversity of their business, should we spend a couple of moments recapping why DEI is moving up the agenda in the investment management industry. So perhaps I'll kind of give a kind of couple of my thoughts and then Stephen, Terence, you can um, add in if you may, if you may. So for me, there's a couple of reasons. The first is that there's a growing amount of research being done in this area and all the research points to the fact that diverse teams ultimately deliver better risk-adjusted returns. They look at problems through different lenses, they're better problem solvers, um, they're better at challenging one, one another, and ultimately lead to better innovation. The second reason 
um, that I think about is driving this is regulation. Regulation is shining the spotlight on all things ESG related and particularly post the pandemic, there is a far greater emphasis on social factors such as gender equality. So clients and companies are therefore facing external um, pressures from institutional investors um, and are looking to partner firms with firms who can embed their views and essentially mirror the views um, and the makeup of their client base. So, uh, Stephen, it would be interesting to hear from you in terms of, I think you primarily face off to the UK institutional market, you know, to what extent this subject is coming up when you're engaging with those UK institutional investors and any insights you can share on, you know, what their views are and how important it is to them and how that's changed over time. Yeah, I, uh, thanks, Alexa. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's it, it's it's certainly something that has moved up the agenda uh, very significantly over the, over the last while. I mean, in our work with Mercer, for example, um, I think you, you've been very clear from the start that that you know it's not it, ultimately over the long term it's not acceptable to 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 have a, an investment team that's you know solely comprised of you know aging white men um that 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 what we need is is something that is more diverse but but from our perspective uh, you know as a as a boutique i mean I, we've been thinking about this for for quite a long time even before we formed scaryvore you know we we were considering how how we might make the team more diverse and and why and i suppose from our perspective um you know we want a, an investment team that has diversity of thought, and you know, recently we've we've hired a, a female graduate, and I think what we're finding is that she is definitely bringing a different perspective, both um, from you know an age point of view, but also also as a, as a woman, which is which is enormously beneficial. I think the second thing is that that we we're finding that the it's affecting the, I guess the team discussions as well that that it's improving. Um, the way in which the team discussions actually work, and there's a level of perhaps empathy there that, that we did we didn't necessarily have before. And I think in the longer term, having a, a more uh, diverse mix in the team should improve our our retention as well, which is obviously key. That spending all this time building a team, you really want to make sure that you keep people together. And then the last element for us that's really important is around reputation. So. You know, our reputation uh, in terms of how we face off to people like yourself, to clients is really important, um, but also our reputation when we're trying to recruit new people, um, you know, and having a diverse team, we think, improves that. And then finally, you know, we are trying to affect change in some of the companies that we invest in. And if, if we are trying to make changes uh, or, or suggest changes to diversity and inclusivity and in companies that we're invested in, we need to be a model for that as well. Otherwise, we 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 come across as hypocritical. I think. So, do you think so? Clearly, as an investment consultant, Mercer are challenging you, and you know we do client engagement surveys, which shows that DEI, you know, is one of their probably top three engagement priorities. Um, you know, is it something that clients as, as well are directly questioning you on? And then perhaps Terence, it would just be interesting to hear, you know, from your perspective. Um, what the, what's going what's going on in the US and to the extent that the US clients' views or challenges differ to those in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of have two hats. So I'll, I'll go from the manager research side and I'll go to the consultant side uh, with the clients. So from like a, a manager research side, we have seen um, just teams that are more diverse have just different networks than the typical, um, I guess, non-diverse teams. Uh, some of the most non-diverse teams uh, just have, you know, some of the most access constrained managers, but they kind of, you know, invest in the same thing. 
But if you go to a team that's more diverse, they have different networks that they might not have um, across the U.S. So that has helped from the manager side, uh, just finding the best managers that have like diversity, different networks, different points of view. And then sometimes and most of the time that gives to uh, better results. And then from a client side, uh, most of our clients has expressed that, you know, that they want these DNI mandates. Some are still, you know, further behind and some and ahead. So uh, for the most part, we've seen our ENF clients and our non-for-profit clients kind of really drive the initiatives due to just having like less regulatory restraints that some of the more complicated than like the DB and DC side. Um, so what we've seen so from like from that pr- point of view, um, some of them have just dedicated programs. So they either have like a separate you know, investment program just for diversity and, and emerging managers, or they incorporate a DNI into a, a broader responsible program. So, um, or they integrate into an entire investment program. So their whole portfolio is going to be into DNI perspectives and things of that nature. So we've seen uh, a lot of mandates depending on the client. Uh, we don't have a preference on which one is better. Uh, we just like to see more uh, DNI initiatives um, from from our clients. Stephen, and how does that how does that resonate with you in terms of what you're seeing from UK investors? And is there any particular segment of the market, I guess, that, that appears that this appears to come up in conversation more than others? Um, I think it's across the board, to be honest. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, we we mostly face in, into institutional clients, um, and and in the UK, but also abroad. And I think it's 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 something that definitely has has moved up the agenda. I guess what we've been pleased to see is that is that there is some patience around uh, around this happening. I, I think making the change quickly is something that that doesn't necessarily work. I mean, if we wanted to solve the problem quickly, we could potentially hire somebody out of, uh, you know, out of another business in the industry. But net net, that doesn't necessarily change the number of women in the industry. So, I think recognizing that that this is going to take some time, um, I think, is important as a place to start. But, uh, like I say, I think I think clients recognize that, but they need to see progress. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely a marathon, not a not a sprint. And if we and it's slightly jumping ahead, but if we look at if we look at the data, we can show that there has been marginal progress over the last few years in in the number of kind of women key decision makers. But we but we haven't we haven't got nearly um, as far. I guess one of the initiatives um, that we are running in the UK within our investment solutions business is we have an objective to have thirty percent of key decision makers uh, that are female by 2030. And Stephen, I guess this is something that you know we have worked on together with um with yourselves and Mercer's manager research team. Perhaps you could just um explain to those who are looking to kind of to improve the diversity of their investment management team kind of how you how you went about it and and, and to the yeah. extent that we supported you in that process. Yeah. Um I guess that there's sort of three pieces that we've been thinking about. So the the, the first really is just about improving the the, the pool of candidates or or, or increasing. It's probably a, a better way to put it. But the, the I guess the challenge that we've had over the years is that is that you know the the number of when, when we look across all the candidates that we've been exposed to. Um, there's definitely been a, a lack of, of of women in in that pool, and so one of the things that we were th- we've been thinking about for a long time is how do we get back 
to the point at which people are thinking about careers and encourage more women into the industry. Um, and that led to uh, an involvement that we've had with an organization called GAIN that we, we can come back to. But, but I think just, just trying to solve for that in the first instance is, is really important. And then, you know, once, once we then start to hire, um, you know, uh, new, new people into the team, how do we make sure that ultimately they're, they're successful, um, that the organization, you know, to the extent that it needs to kind of adapt to, 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 to help them succeed and, and, and actually ultimately retain them. And then I suppose that the third thing that we're, we're thinking about, which is still, you know, a little way down the road for us, um, given our size, but, but at the point at which um, people decide to start to have families, you know, how, how do you incorporate flexible working and, and a, a way to bring people back where there isn't a, you know, a penalty for potentially taking time off. So th those kind of three areas that, but where we're focused right now is really on the first is just at the ground level, making sure that we improve the, the number of candidates that we're actually starting to see. And does that involve, I mean, there are a number of like early careers initiatives. I mean, have, have you been out? I mean, it's difficult appreciating you're a small boutique, so there's only so much resource that you can, you, you can, you can, you can throw at this, but clearly it's an important matter for you if you're going to continue to have institutional flows. Have you looked at kind of initiatives there for it kind of going in into schools or is that, is that the kind of gain initiative that you mentioned? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I mean, we, we originally considered doing it ourselves, but I, I think that's just not, not practical. So we, we started looking for an organization that, that might, you know, be aligned uh, with us in terms of what we were trying to achieve. And, and we came across gain, which is a, a UK based charity um, that looks to try and improve, um, you know, effectively, what we're trying to do, which is which is to try and expose more women to a career in in asset management, and it was founded by uh, you know a number of women who work in the industry, who who could clearly see this was a this was a challenge, and we've we've worked with them now for um, you know nearly two years. So we ran a program last year where we took on uh, two candidates. Um, and ran a six-week internship where we effectively trained them up in in our investment process, with a view to uh, uh, with a view to kind of improving. First of all, I guess their understanding of the industry and 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 showing you know what a what an interesting, challenging, and you know potentially rewarding career it could be. Um, uh, but also, you know, exposing us to a, a pool of talent. Um, uh, so we, we unfortunately aren't in a position to hire. Uh, you know every intern that we 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 train up, but but certainly getting exposed to to candidates every year gives us the ability to you know potentially find the people that we're looking for, but also you know something that's important to to us is is kind of to improve the number of women you know finding their way into the industry as well. That that's a benefit from this program. Great, thank you. Terence, earlier you mentioned um, an initiative where you're specifically looking at diverse portfolio managers. Out of interest, can you like how have these firms established themselves, and how are they managing like managing to get on the map, raise capital? Um, that would be interesting to hear because I guess that's not something that I personally have, have have seen or heard of in the UK. But it sounds like you know there is an opportunity set out there in, in the US. Is that right? Yeah, that is, that is true. A lot of our clients are looking for these type of managers. Uh, the only hard part is, is just trying to find the best of the best. And then a lot of these managers are kind of more uh, emerging managers. So it takes a little bit more diligence to understand um, their, their process. But 
Um, so what we see is just a lot of emerging managers, like like I mentioned earlier in my intro, like we look for, you know, women-led uh, managers uh, from a BIPOC standpoint, LBGTQ managers, people that are veterans, people that have disabilities. Um, the way that they get on the map is so far is just going to conferences, um, just trying to uh, just reach out as much as they can. A lot of these managers are also experienced, like they've been at other, you know, well, well-known private equity firms and they spent out and they wanted to do their own thing. Um, we also like managers that are what we call are double impact. So this is this is meaning that they're um they're diverse individuals themselves, but trying to help diverse people, uh diverse underrepresented groups and as well. For like an instance, for one of the managers that that we invest in and we recommend to clients, I won't say the name, but uh they're diverse individuals and they have portfolio companies. Um, they will they will try to, when they make an investment, they will put um, diverse, diverse individuals on the board of directors for, uh, for their portfolio companies. They'll also make sure that they'll use diverse products from, you know, underrepresented communities such as the black uh, supply chain or a minority or woman led supply chain and be their suppliers. And they also will try to bank with diverse banks. This helps, um, you know, improve the diversity and to get more people into um, the investment consulting world. And then also, most of our clients are really just engaged. There's no training to 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 why DNI investing is important. Normally, we have to train, um, make clients understand why this is best, why this is bad. But most of our clients really want. DNI women-led BIPOC uh, managers into our consulting firm, uh, into their portfolio. I mean, so there's no training. It's just trying to find the best of the best, and then you know, just trying to really work on the type of program that they want to run. If they want to run a program where they have a separate portfolio for diverse managers, which we see a lot, or do they want to integrate um, diverse managers into their main portfolio? So that's what we see in the U.S. a lot. Um, we have more progress in ENF clients and not-for-profit clients so far, um, but we are still working with other clients as well to 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 make it more engageful um, and to get more diverse and emerging managers into um, their portfolio. So for me, it's, it, it sounds like on on the one hand, if we if we kind of move on to what the data is showing and, and kind of some of the policies that perhaps in in, in place in, in the US, you know, in some respects your market's behind, but in other respects you're not even having to, you know, we are still in the UK having conversations potentially as to why this is why this is important and why should people should care. Um, it sounds like you're already there in some segments of the market in terms of you know you know buying buying into this. Um, so congratulations um, on doing that. Um, I, I guess one thing that we haven't touched on is, you know, we've talked about the importance of, of diversity. And Stephen, you kind of mentioned about how ways that you've gone to, you know, I guess, that we've got to attract new talent. Um, I guess there's also that point that basically to be, we, we have to retain talent, therefore we kind of have, have to be inc- inclusive. In the UK, we kind of run some initiatives, you know, we have, Mercer has a dedicated DE&I strategy. We have business resource groups, which allows like-minded individuals to network, to be supported. We have a kind of culture club, which helps protect and grow the culture that we that, that we are so proud of, that we've, that we've built. Um, 
Terence, perhaps are there any kind of initiatives in the in the US that you are that that, that Mercer um is involved in to that nature to kind of help retrain retain and attract talent? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mercer is involved in various organizations and initiatives to trying to uh, attract and retain talent. One of the ones that I'm a part of is called the Rise Fellowship. So this is where uh, we partner with Black MBAs from across the globe, not just the U.S., but we work on projects together and trying to erase unconscious bias into the investment decision process. Um, not only that, we as a as part of the, the Rise Fellowship, I'm actually an advisor. So I try to advise some of these MBA students into how to get into either investment consulting with Mercer or to get more into the investment world. Um, that's that's one initiative that we, we are a part of. And then also, as I mentioned before, we have our own program where we try to use discretionary capital to make investments in diverse led managers. Um, just trying to find the best of the best for our clients and, um, and the clear global mandates, not just in the US. Um, March is also um, partnership with the National African American Insurance Association. So that's on the insurance side. Uh, the CEO Action for Inclusion and uh, Inclusion and Diversity. It's an initiative more than 500 CEOs made to lead the way of enhancing diversity efforts through expanding unconscious bias training, fostering a more open culture, creating systems of accountability, and sharing best practices for for other companies. And then also we have a partnership with the 30% Club. This is an initiative uh, for public commitment to gender equality. So what this is trying to do is trying to boost more female representation at the board and C-suite level. And then from a career development standpoint, there's a RISE program, which I've already mentioned. There's the Black Leadership Program. There's an accelerated uh, leadership program and a financial leadership development program that March and Mercer is all involved in. So, so, so lots, lots going on. I guess just you mentioned the thirty percent club, and I think um, a, slight, a slight shout out for the diversity project here, who are running um, a, the pathway program, um, which Stephen, you may well be interested. In. I'll, I'll touch base with you later on this. In terms of, it's, it's a, a female fund management program dedicated for a year cross company cross company initiative, um, where candidates from different firms. Um, are allocated, they have a sponsor, they have a mentor, and then each of the different firms within the UK are then take part of the training program um, to bring this, bring these talents on. And it's specifically to address the number of key decision makers um, that are female. Because if we, if we look at kind of the data, and I'm kind of conscious that we're coming up to time, but if we, you know, we've we've shared loads of great ideas and thank you for your contributions today. But if we look at kind of the data from, from Mercer Insight, which is our, you know, mammoth database with over 21,000 individuals uh, named as key decision makers. Since in 2019, there were only 12% of key decision makers who were women. And now the figure at the end of 22 is 13.7. So there's some progress, but there's not a, there, there's not a huge amount. So there's, there's some way to go. I mean, and this will be music to yours, Stephen, but there's a higher number of women entering the market. Um, there's a higher number of women being promoted but there is still this you know this challenge that we face as an industry in terms of you know supporting working parents working mothers um and so you know therefore you know people are dropping out and i know that one of the things we've also mentioned is about how do you address the challenge of a portfolio manager taking time out and what does that kind of do to that track record so my final question i guess is 
you know, is firstly to you, Stephen, in terms of what would you like to see in terms of progress in the next three to five years? Because I, I feel like I've kind of given away, you know, one that one that you may have mentioned, but maybe it's a nice lead in before we wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think from our perspective as a as an asset manager, I think you know, uh, on on your side of the table, I guess the acceptance that you know that a, a break in a career in a in a fund manager's record, um, you know, for. Uh, for for various reasons is something that, that that it becomes more acceptable. So there's a kind of a flexibility that, that that's in there. I mean, from our perspective, as Scarivore, I mean, the other things that that we we would like to see. So, for example, you know, graduates coming through and starting to become um, decision makers in our organisation. We're, we're we're lucky in that our we we have two managing partners, one of whom is uh, is a woman, and so there's you know there's already a, a a good role model in the business, which I think which I think helps. Um, but the second thing would be for the for the for these game candidates that we're working for, the, for the ones that we don't hire, we'd be really keen to see them find their way into industry. And we're working, um, you know, with the, the two ladies that we took on last year, and there's two more coming through this year. And, and ultimately, success for us will be defined by them finding their way into the broader industry. Great, thank you. And Terence, what about you? What would you like to see in terms of progress in the next three to five years? Well, U.S. specific. Yeah, U.S. specifically, I would definitely love to see a decrease in wage gap by gender. Um, I know in the U.S., unfortunately, women only make 82 percent of what a man would make. And that definitely differs by the race of the woman as well. I would love to see that be more equal to to what men make as well. And then also I would like to see, you know, more women in, in C-suite positions. I mean, it, to me, it makes no sense that women are literally makes more of the U.S. I think it's 51% women, but they only make up 18 to 20% of C-suite positions. Um, And then also I would just love to see, you know, investments being taught at a younger age. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, STEM programs and things of that nature, but I mean, for me personally, I didn't, I didn't know about this investment world until I was already graduated from college and I just happened to get lucky and to, to get into this industry, but I, I love that I did, but I wish that at a younger age, we can get, um, you know, more kids into it and as well, instead of, you know, everything else that we have doing. So in the next five to 10 years, I would love to see more programs dedicated to those such initiatives. Yeah. But I think if we, I mean, if I think to the UK and what I what I wish for is for success, you know, what I see as success is to, you know, equal parental leave policies to support a level playing field, essentially. And then I think that reduces the time penalty, the amount of time that people spend out of work. I think that will give access to the to the C-suite. As you mentioned, promotions will rise. Um, Men will take time out of the workplace. Well, you know, we will be definitely on a level playing field. So, um, well. I hope to speak to you both before three to five years, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, but we will continue to 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 look that progress, and hopefully we will be looking back on this podcast and so much will have moved on since then. So I'd just like to thank you both for joining me today. If you've liked what you've heard, please make sure you just subscribe for more. And if you'd like to discuss anything from the podcast further, you can reach out to your local Mercer representative. But in the meantime, thank you for listening, and have a very happy International Women's Day. Thank you. Thanks.